I know. I know this story. Uh, all right, Kobe, you ready to go back? Uh, Are we getting off then? We're all getting off. <laughs> Together this time. Yeah. Same time. Ready? Ready? I am ready. Ready, go. Junction City Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Martinez. With me in the virtual octagon, ooh, John Miles. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Got his own sound effects. I'm Colby Peterson. And Dan Martinez. There's no other, nobody else. It's just us three today. No tonight. shame. No, uh, no shame. On the show tonight. No, no, no shame. No shame. Oh, no shame. <laughs> On today's show, we're going to be talking about uh, how COVID-19 has affected the people of color here in Weber County, uh, and we'll have some pinkies up, thumbs down, we'll have some upcoming events. We do have events this week. Polls. What's events? Up? Yeah, we, we got polls too. And we got polls. Great. Ah, good poll. This one was great, John. Oh, great. Uh, but yeah. first, what's the hap haps? What are you even doing, John? John what are the hap haps, guys? Um, you know, John hated you know, the hap haps, and now he, he likes it. Now he's he's. Coming I I just go along with it. I'm just a team player. <laughs> so fans of the Junction City podcast might remember that I was building a planter box. Well, I filled it with dirt this weekend, and I put. I mean, my wife, she put some tomatoes put in, in it. Oh. oh yeah, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, whoa, John. We got strawberries, guys. I murdered his wife. You wait until it's sowing season. I'm gonna give you guys some fruits, dude. I will eat that fruit. Maddie's yeah, favorite snack is fruit. Strawberries. But, oh, what about pineapples, you know what else John? To... Yeah, I'm growing pineapple. Of, of course, I'm growing pineapples. Yes. Like I'm gonna put a small planter box in my backyard and not grow pineapples in it. That's crazy. I'm do there. You know, do you, Do you even know him? Yeah. <laughs> you even know? Uh, but you know what? I thought about another thing. You know what I've been doing this week is I've been designing stickers and shirts. Yeah. For the Junction City podcast, truth like legitimately oh, snap. ready to print. Like I'm pretty sure this week. You hear that, Jeremy Shinoda? And as soon as it happens, one of us is going to hand deliver it to Jeremy Shinoda. That's gonna, mm-hmm. and you have to take a picture. Are we have to do well. How about we? Nah, I, I think it should be Colby. I think whichever one of us promised Jeremy Shinoda the most times on the show that he was about to get a sticker. Oh, it's definitely Kobe. Definitely, yeah, it's definitely mine. <laughs> I did that. Uh, but the, the, the logo looks nice. It's way nice. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have a nice sticker and shirt. And shirt. I'm excited, right away. John. That's awesome. Most taste. This is going to be great. I'm going to wear it on the great show. Great for us. Great for the listeners. Great for the community. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Who's up next? It's me. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Actually, I went, on a, I went on a hike with Kobe on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and yeah. I almost died. Uh, uh, you weren't. Come on. It wasn't that bad. No, dude. No. Here's the thing is Kobe. You likes were doing to, great. Kobe likes to talk and hike and at walk. the same time. And you're just like, oh, yeah. bro, I, I can't even breathe, let alone have a conversation with you. But <laughs> he was nice. Thank you, Kobe. You were nice enough to stop every, you know, 10 minutes and let me have some cheese and water. Uh, but then actually I went up again with my family just a little while ago and we made it to the very top. That was pretty cool. 
seen the whole. Did you guys hike in Davis County? Yeah, we hiked in we Davis County. I never, I didn't even know you could hike in Davis County. The only one I know is that canyon. Maybe I thought that like all the rich people up on the mountain like closed everything off up there, but screw like, them. Like Adams Canyon. I don't know. If it was yeah, it's it's up it's up near that. No, but it was uh, Fern yeah. Fern Road. Yeah, it was Fernwood. That was the first time I had ever been up there, and uh, yeah, come to find out, like my buddy's old house was like actually down the street. But man, that was like one of the best trail complexes I've found. Like yeah. even better than some of the stuff in Ogden, man. Like that was a really good. It's a good hike. Lots of good. Oh, you heard Kobe say something better in Davis County than Ogden. What have you been doing, Kobe? But (laughs) I went hiking today, and where did I go? I went hiking in Ogden. Yeah, that's right. Of course you did. Of course you did. Of course I did. But also on uh, Friday, I got, you know, man, I've had all these like little annoying repairs on my car that I just like need to fix. And on Friday, I just like fixed them. Like all these like dumb little lights. And like I needed to wash my car and like, dude, my car is looking real good right now, man. I the changed Mercedes. the oil. Yeah, man. Like it's the car's looking real good. Real, real good. Nice. Well, that's good, Kobe. Uh, you know, we're neighbors. You can come and do my car too. Let me wash your car. <clears throat> yeah, wash the car. Uh, hey, <laughs> I'll come to your house for a car wash. Do you tie yeah. your shirt into one of those? Bikinis? Oh my gosh. Oh, is he like he, You want that enemy? You can do it. <laughs> You ever seen Colby's chest, Dan? It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to get some uh, sponsorships here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking with uh, Miss Betty Sawyer, Dr. Enrique Romo, and Andrea Hernandez about uh, how COVID-19 has been affecting people of color here in uh, Weber County. So stay tuned. Ashley Wolfius and the Elements of Real Estate are proud to support the independent local journalism of the Junction City podcast. If you're buying or selling real estate, or if you need a certified residential appraiser, contact Ashley at theelementsofrealestate.com or by calling 801-391-8503. Welcome back, folks, um, to the Junction City podcast. We have with us here today um, um, a few folks, experts in the community, to chat with us about the impact that COVID-19 has had on communities of color in Weber County. And so with us today on, on our Zoom call in the, in the virtual octagon is Andrea Hernandez, uh, Dr. Enrique Romo, and uh, Ms. Betty Sawyer. Um, uh, thank you folks for joining us. Um, I, did you want me to give everyone your, your titles so that they can feel the clout? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Andrea, Andrea can, you, can you tell us uh, your title, please? Of course. Uh, so hello, everybody. My name is Andrea Hernandez. My pronouns are she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs. And uh, I am the coordinator over diversity and inclusive programs at Weber State University under the Department of Access and Diversity. Great. Go Wildcats, always. That's right. Yes. Dr. Romo, please, uh, can you give us your title? if, if you're? Yes, absolutely. Going. Thank you for having us tonight. Uh, my name is Enrique Romo. And I'm the Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs at Weber State University over Access and Diversity. And my pronouns are he, his, and him. And I'm glad to be here having this conversation with such lovely people. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Betty, I, I wondered if you would talk. You have a lot of hats, so you can pick one <laughs> or, or many. <laughs> I'll just do a couple tonight. So okay. I'm also okay. one of those wildcats. I work with <clears throat> these wonderful people here. I am over community engagement 
in access and diversity and also president of the Ogden branch of the NAACP Civil Rights Organization. And I also am the director of a local nonprofit called Project Success. Wonderful. Wow. Well, like wow. I said, thank you. Thank you folks for being willing to chat uh, today uh, about this issue. We, we got the idea for the show um, from Alicia Washington, who we've had on the show a couple of times. She's a, she's a friend of the show and we appreciate all the great work she does, especially good company theater. We love good company theater. And so that was kind of the genesis. She had messaged us on Instagram and said, Hey, you all should think about, you know, talking about this uh, on, on the show and said, that's great. And so she recommended you folks and, and we said, okay, we'll see if we can coordinate schedules. So glad to be with everyone. So I kind of wanted to start the conversation off by um, by just chatting uh, maybe a little bit generally here. And so some of the stuff that I've read online has shown that national data has shown that communities of color are being hit harder by the effects of COVID-19. And that might be, you know, the health effects of, you know, contracting the virus or the economic effects of contracting the virus. And so do you, do you all feel that that has held, that trend has held here in Weber County specifically? What are your impressions Andrea, I thought maybe I'd uh, start with you. Absolutely. I think it's definitely a trend here in Weber County. Um, We have a large population of diverse folks um, in in Weber County, um, specifically in Ogden as well, a large population of undocumented folks too. And usually um, these communities are the ones that are essential workers, right? And so a lot of them don't have the opportunity to work home. So when we are going out and saying like, stay safe, save home, well, unfortunately that's not what realistically can happen for a lot of our various communities that we have here based on the careers, um, the jobs that they have. And so I think that is one of the reasons why it's hit so hard is because um, the different places that they work for are are demanding certain things from them. And so um, they don't have maybe uh, the resources as much or as much time to take care of themselves as needed. Um, And there's also a language barrier, right? Specifically within Latinx communities, um, a lot of the resources has been pushed out in a single language. And so that is not translated into Spanish um, or into other languages. And so we find that barrier um, and that barrier of access within these communities. And that's definitely why it's, it's probably been hitting the Latinx community specifically here in the area. I would also um, think that just based on my experience, us as Latinx folks, culturally, we're a familial um, kind of culture. And so when we talk about that social gathering and not being able to hang out with each other it's really difficult to be like well I think I could hang out with my parents and then maybe I could bring you know like my godmother or my godmother because I know that they're going to be safe right or another different community member um, within their culture and so I think that's where kind of the lines are blurred and we need that social aspect to be able to just even get through the day just to feel comforted at least on my end and from my experience and I think that's that's one of the reasons why it's been um, it's been hard for folks to um, kind of figure out how this social distancing works because as human beings we're social we're social beings right and so that's that's a little bit more difficult so that's just my perspective on on why i believe it's probably hit hard specifically in the latinx community yeah 
Dr. Omo, I, I wondered if maybe you'd give your impressions, what you have seen and thought about national trends holding in Weber County. I think, you know, Andrea did hit it right on the head. I think in terms of what we're talking about impact, uh, there are, I mean, I was kind of combing through some data just to see kind of what numbers we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And I know that here in the state of Utah, the Latinx population is about 14.2%, mm -hmm. uh, but the case count here is about 270, right? So that, that makes it about maybe 38% of the total cases in Utah. So that tells us that there's a huge disproportion in contraction and kind of risk, right? It's specifically targeting one single population. Uh, you know, I think Andrea also did mention, you know, like the nature of a lot of our community. Uh, they are, unfortunately, you know, the people who are considered as essential. So they have to leave their homes. They, some of them, even if they are able to stay home, I mean, I think they don't have access to the technology, to infrastructure, to make sure that, you know, they have connected different ways through their uh, places of employment. I mean, they might, have, they might have a computer at home, but they may not have enough bandwidth, right? Or maybe may may the internet is actually a little bit more expensive for them. Yeah, so that's... I know that there's a lot of companies that are out there that are actually providing some uh, breaks and reducing some of the rates so like people could have access to the internet you know we're not just talking about professionals here we're talking about the whole family unit we're talking about you know uh, kids that are in school k through 12 systems but then how are they accessing that information how are they making sure that their students are successful so i mean i think everything everything is kind of tied together you know in terms of you know factors we're talking about living conditions right a lot of our communities communities of color here in Ogden. They live in they live in like hugely densely populated areas, right? So that makes it very difficult, like Andrea said, to social distance, right, from one another. And this is not something that is new. This is more of kind of institutional race, institutional racism, right? When we're talking about housing segregation, right? So those are things that we need to kind of keep in mind. You know, also we're talking about you know the work environment. So like you know people, you know, kind of like the overrepresented Latinos here in Utah and you know with COVID nineteen cases because again what Andrea mentioned that they are critical essential workers. So the risk of infection for them is greater than anybody else's because they mostly work service industry. You know, I think so. Those are things that kind of we have to keep in mind. Uh, but then again, you know, I think going back to communities of color we have underlying health conditions, you know, that though there are health disparities too. Uh, the, those barriers uh, to getting healthcare uh, are important. And that's why one of the reasons, some of the, those are some of the reasons why our communities, uh, communities of color are getting hit super hard. You know, we don't have health insurance. There's no access maybe to a hospital. We do distrust those kinds of kind of organizations in our communities. There are language barriers, chronic health conditions, obesity, diabetes, asthma, I mean, high blood pressure, you name it, right? I can go on and on, but that's just kind of like my first take on that. Yeah, and one one thing that I had thought about, um, well, I hadn't thought about until you had brought it up was the effect of internet access on, you know, the children who had to now be home. Right. And, you know, if, if parents are working, you know, and they're, they have to be there and there's no internet access, like it becomes then very, very difficult to stay up on schoolwork. You know, our children have been home since late March Correct. and, you know, my wife and I were both laid off from our jobs. And so we've mm -hmm. been here to sort of push them. Plus right. our family had internet access, like take those two things away. Right. How much work, how much work gets done now? Exactly. Yeah. It's I mean, I'm just sitting in my portfolio, right? So like, we're assuming that everyone has the same kind of opportunities and access to technology, when in reality, we, we're not. And this is actually more of a economic kind of crisis as well. 
uh, when we're talking about, you know, the disparities in income, and um, that's what, you know, kind of tells us who is getting infected and who isn't and who has access to information to stay protected and protect their families as well. Well, and that also brings up the issue that we that I just thought about of childcare, right? Um, we look into our educational system to be able to take our kids on for a certain number number of hours throughout the day. I remember in my own experience growing up, I was a latchkey kid, right? And so my parents were still at work, and I would have to get home, and I'd take responsibility of making food and all of these different things for for my parents. But if you're having like a first grader who's having no childcare and, and you know, you're unfortunately have to leave them with someone who you don't know if they are safe to, to be around based on um, their own health or they're both at risk people, then that just, that just gets a little harder and a little messy for everything. So that's another, another issue that I think is important to talk about is childcare as well. Yeah, just so, you know, sort of exacerbates some of those underlying issues, like Dr. Romo said. Um, Ms. Betty, I wondered if you'd give your thoughts, kind of what you think about national trends holding here in Weber County among communities of color. And, and they are, and for all of the reasons that have already been shared, and along with that, uh, talking about our culture, how we address family, and the importance of engaging and spending time together, we also have multi-generations in the household. So it's not just, you know, mom and dad, it's grandma, grandpa, and oftentimes extended family members spending time together. And then you tie that into the economics of them being uh, essential workers, often in the service industry and coming and going. And so they're constantly introducing the family to risk uh, being uh, infected by the virus as well. And, and I think one of the things that has really uh, shed light on some of these disparities is that digital divide. So we're not just talking access in general, mm -hmm. but if you have three or four children, do all of them have a device? If the parent is in need or working from home, do we have devices to cover everybody or we were waiting one at a time mm. to be able to have access to do your work, to do your homework and things of that nature. And we know our schools are trying to uh, meet some of those needs, but I don't think they were definitely prepared for this like most of us. Uh, a lot of our schools didn't have one-on-one -on -one, uh, technology support for students before this happened. So a lot of them are trying to gear up to make sure devices are in the home, but it's usually not adequate, as well as the internet service itself. I think um, when we look at uh, underlying health disparities, those things have been exacerbated by this crisis because it does impact access to health care if you have insurance at all. And most of the folk working in the service industry do not have benefits. And so where do they get their health care? How do they pay for that health care? Where does that fall on the list of priorities uh, for the family? Uh, one of the things with COVID-19 itself, a lot of times uh, the symptoms come on gradually. It may be a cold. So culturally, we don't immediately go ah. to 
the doctor, the hospital when we get a cold. We're going to treat that with some herbs and some <laughs> teas and whatever we can put together. Mm-hmm. And so uh, historically, we take a long time to seek help. And that's where a lot of the challenges are. By the time we go, we're usually worst off at a more critical stage. And so we're seeing those trends hold true now because I have to go to work. So this cold, we'll get over that. Sore throat, oh, I'll be okay. Right. I'll gargle with get salt some Vic, water. Vicks or, rub. Yeah, some Vicks that's or something. That's it. Yes. That's what I do the whole, every night. Going. I'm like, let me rub it and see if that helps. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I remember one yes. time um, our, our study abroad group went to um, Petra in Jordan, and one of our guys had uh, he had a, a head cold. So we went out into the, the city, which is really small, and we were trying to find medicine and we met up with this Arab shopkeeper and he was like, no, 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 no. You, you don't want, you don't want this NyQuil stuff. He's like, I'll sell you the NyQuil stuff if you want. He's like, but I got these herbs. You should do this. And so like he, we sat down with him and he had the, he made him the tea and the whole bit. And uh, we sat and chatted with that guy for like two hours. But uh, that was, that, that was his thing. He was like, this is, this is the first line of defense right here. So I think it rings true. Well, even growing up, like I remember when we would, um, before we would get sick, before flu season or cold season, my parents were like, okay, we got to take a trip to Tijuana so we can go get like the good pills or the good medicine, right? Because no, the cheaper medicine, the, the cheaper yeah, medicine, the tiger balm, yeah, all was, that good stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was medicine that they grew up on and they knew that it worked. So it's like, okay, we're going to buy all of these. And I mean, I don't know if it's considered smuggling, but we would bring them over, <laughs> and that's how we would take care of ourselves. So, yeah. You know, but I think, you know, I think Betty and both uh, Andrea kind of shared something, you know, that I have been kind of like thinking about for a while, is that, you know, that the healthcare systems here in the United States, really, by design, they're not really meant for poor communities of color, right? So, you know, I think, you know, they don't really know how to address, you know, I think our belief systems or like uh, how to even communicate in terms of the ways that we can understand what it is really happening in our bodies and our families. You know, some people uh, who had symptoms, I know, were actually turned away, uh, you know, and then others, you know, they don't necessarily have like a medical home. So it's hard for them to access. They don't have a primary care doctor or physician, right? Um, so, I mean, I think, so those are things that we start, that we need to start thinking about because this is how this, we disenfranchise, they disenfranchise those of people who have been disenfranchised to begin with. Yeah. Well, there was a quote that I saw the other day on Facebook that said, COVID-19 didn't create a health disparity. It exposed the health disparities right. that we right. have yeah. in the United States. I definitely think that's true as well, that, you know, like you said, there was this existing problem and it was just sort of under the rug. And now, you know, people are in need of this care, sort of like the numbers that Dr. Roma threw out earlier. And now it just comes, it bubbles to the top that this, this is a problem specifically in communities of color, because like you said, the systems are in place and it's not really designed to go with some of the cultural norms that, uh, that happen in certain alcoves and communities. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes and a even challenge. with along with those health disparities, you know, it's nothing new. These are things we've been grappling with, you know, 20, 30 years mm-hmm. trying to make a difference. And our hope is because of this crisis, it's usually at times like this when the light is shown on uh, particular issues that we have an opportunity to change course mm-hmm. and do something different. 
to really try a difference in where we're going and how we address uh, these health disparities and inequities. And recently with the state of Utah, uh, our minority legislators came together, the quad squad, they call themselves, and they were able to get some emergency funding to go into communities of color to help with education and outreach and follow up because that issue around trust is extremely important. Uh, having someone that looks like them speak their language yeah. to be able to talk to them about these really personal issues is important and making a difference. So, uh, so with that, I, I was I wanted to ask the second question, which is: Are communities of color in Weber County feeling stronger economic or health effects from the pandemic? You know, is it more of this shutdown, and you know, folks aren't necessarily able to work as much? It sounds like maybe from what we've said, it, it's not as much that, and maybe it's more the health effects of it because a lot of folks in communities of color, they're like we've talked about before, are frontline workers or they're working in the service industry, the way Miss Betty said, and they have to go to work. And so they've been working. And with that, you know, that the impact of health is coming home to the community. Uh, I wanted to get uh, your all thoughts. And I thought maybe I'd start with Miss Betty this time and mm -hmm. see what she thought. I think our communities are definitely experiencing both, but um, it's almost like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Mm, if you've already experienced in poor health, any disruption, makes that even worse and has a bigger impact on you and your family. And so, and depends on what, where are you working? You know, if you're in some of the lowest earning positions, uh, you're likely, again, not to have health care. You're also uh, likely, and we all know the cost for eating healthy is far yeah. greater than the cost for grabbing you know, the first thing you see are some fast food, you know, to purchase sure. some apples and oranges and grapefruits and pineapple. You, you know, you go to the store and little thing of cut up pineapple is five bucks. You can yeah. get a full meal at McDonald's for that $5 versus some pineapples. And so you're left with those kind of choices. And while we have a couple of grocery stores that are uh, accessible, we still have the convenience stores that are closer and oftentimes end up where we go for something quick. We're paying three or four times as much as we would if we could make it to the grocery store. So I, I think economics is playing a big part because I've talked to folks who have lost their jobs and that's real for them. And they don't know how they're going to make it till the end of the month. They don't know how rent is going to be paid. They don't know how they're going to eat for the rest of the month and the utility. So that's very real. But the health conditions put us even more at risk. If you already have heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, there are all contributing factors that make you vulnerable. If you're a person of color, and if you're like me, older person of color, I'm more at risk. So I think twice before I walk out of my door uh, because I know that I'm in a high risk category. And so many people that I know are in those same high risk categories. And again, if you have insurance, I'm blessed to have those resources. I can go and, and get some attention and immediate attention. But my experiences too, is that I have to push 
when I go to the doctor, even today, I have to insist on things. They're not immediately offered to me. They don't go and take the next test. Oh, you're okay. You know, you can go back home. It's like, nah, I don't think so. I think you need to look a little further because I'm not feeling the way I think I should. And everybody's not going to enter that kind of dialogue with their healthcare provider if they have one. Yeah, like you said, if they have one, because they likely don't have a relationship built with that person. And so, you know, there's they may not feel comfortable pushing for that next level and saying, well, no, I think or, that we should dig a little deeper. Or the, or it's uh, that whole authority thing that's like, oh, well, I guess they they know more than me. So I guess I'm I'm wrong and yeah. I should feel better. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah that can happen. And, and another piece that we haven't touched on is that mental health piece. Yeah. And for people of color, we're living in heightened stress and anxiety right. almost every day. This is a normal. So when you talk about, you know, those uh, fight or flight responses and the impact that they have on our bodies, we're in that heightened state. It's not like we get to relax and not be black and not experience the things that we experience every day as people of color navigating through these different systems. And for us, mental health, is, has been kind of taboo. We're just getting to the place where we can have these kind of conversations, even in our families, mm-hmm. because for, for us, it's been something must be wrong. You must be doing something wrong yeah. if you're feeling that way, or you know you should be able to pray it away. Right. You know, where's your faith if if you're feeling anxiety or you're having thoughts of suicide or depression? It must, you know, it's your fault. You did something or you're not doing something, not that it's a medical condition that we can get help for. Well, and to go off of that, study, what was one of the first trends that we saw when we went into quarantine, right? We saw the rise of alcohol uh, go up and a lot of our communities, that's their coping mechanism. Unfortunately, it's these substances to help them cope with their mental health issues or whatever their day-to-day kind of things. And so that's something that's also needed to talk about, especially when you were talking about how we have corner stores where I know in California, the corner stores are usually the ones that sell alcohol too. And it's just easier to pick that up um, instead of maybe going out for a walk or exercising or right. Because that's something that's also another thing that's taboo in our communities that's health and wellness. And so you just hit the nail on the head on, on all of those points as well. Yeah, the mental health piece is an important one, and, you know, and especially in a system where, especially if you're in a socioeconomic status that is lower, um, you know, you already have a, a limited access to those resources. You know, like you're, if you're on Medicaid, you know, you're, you're barely able to get some of those things. And then if you're not, um, good luck. You know, exactly. or or like you said, there's a cultural taboo around talking about maybe some of those issues with somebody. You know, it's might, it might be seen as weak, or you know, it's just not something that you do, and and, and it just adds just one more barrier to folks getting some help. Uh, Dr. Rummel, I thought I wanted to ask you and, and see what uh, you thought about you know the the dichotomy between the economics and the the health piece, and kind of get I your thoughts. I think you know they're they're interlinked. I mean, I think you can't have without the other. Unfortunately, during COVID nineteen and with like communities of color. Uh, I think it's, you know, it, it's uh, unfortunately tied 
to the tie to one another. I was, yes, you know, thinking, uh, I was speaking to one of our students the other day and the student is an undocumented student and uh, uh, they had to actually, they were working, but they were asked with downsizing and they were furloughing people. Mm-hmm. So they actually ended up not having a job and then their parents actually lost their job as well. So they're reaching out to our offices and trying to find out if there's ways for us to help them fund. Like Betty was saying, you know, talk about, you know, paying bills, getting food on the table, making sure that at least, you know, they have gas in their car so they can go find and look or apply for other jobs that would potentially hire them. Right. So I think, you know, when we talk about those mostly disenfranchised, most vulnerable communities, um, you know, let's think about undocumented students and their experiences here. Now, like they're also adding, you know, to that mental stress, uh, the DACA decision that will come from the Supreme Court uh, starting tomorrow up until the, the end of June, that they could do away with DACA, right? So then, so what is it? What is going to happen to this big chunk of community uh, members who have been productive? We're talking about close to about 800,000 uh, able-bodied educated, college educated, working in the community. So uh, all of a sudden, are they just gonna go away, right? So then that adds to that level of stress. And then, you know, so then, yeah. So, I mean, we can't have the economy, the economic impact without the, the health impact because they both go together. You can't detach them from one another because they're, they're, guess what? They're both kind of coming at the person at the same time. And they actually kind of rise, rise up in different levels depending on how a person is feeling or how vulnerable they're at at that time. Yeah, you know, and a thought that I just had, once again, back to what Ms. Betty talked about with the digital divide, was the fact that if you didn't necessarily have great internet access at home, then you lose your job. Most of the time in today's economy, if you want to apply for a job, you have to do it online. online, And the libraries were closed, Mm -hmm. and the coffee shops were closed, and you didn't have internet at home. So, like, you're looking around going, where do I apply for a job Mm -hmm. when I have no access to the internet? You know, and like you said... No, go ahead. It, it, it exacerbates, like you said, you know, the two kind of go together because you're going, you know, well, I don't have a job. So that's economic stress. Plus, you know, that's affecting your health and that's going up and just, yeah. And it's just, it's just. I mean, and even at, at, the, at the institutional level at Weber State, and I know Andrea and, and Betty would definitely, you know, agree with this, that we've seen a, a, an increase in terms of requests for a need for from students who need not just money, but they need food, they need resources, they need someone to talk to, they need mental health resources. I mean, they're good. they're going through the roof. Yeah, and you know, and that's and that's luckily, you know, those folks that have some sort of a connection to the university, think about all of those who don't. Right? They don't. They don't have. You know, they, they know you, and so they're able to come to you and say, "Hey, can you help me?" Yeah. Imagine those who don't have a connection like that and say they're, they're just, you know, twisting in the wind. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andre, Andrea, I thought I'd, you know, put the same question to you and see kind of what, what you thought about the economic and health effects. Absolutely. I echo um, what both of my colleagues and my friends said. I think everything that they said hits the nail on the head. Um, well, we were also having this conversation. I was also thinking about how um, if parents are being furloughed or not having to, um, or being you know laid off from work and having to stay at home, and if they have little ones, educating themselves first, and then having to educate their little ones in a way that they're able to understand is is a lot. Um, and sometimes it could get frustrating when you don't have the correct language or the correct education or the correct correct. Um, 
vocabulary verbiage in the language that you speak, right? I'm also thinking about, um, my, well, my background's in elementary school education, so I really feel for little kids who maybe find a safe, safer space, you know, within their classroom, especially our um, children of color. Um, I'm thinking about our non-binary, our trans, our LGBTQ plus um, yes. children, and um, even adolescents and adults who their chosen family may not be their, their biological family. And so the mental health that they are experiencing right now is very, it's a very different experience than whatever, whatever I can experience because I don't have, um, you know, that identity, but I could only imagine what, what that must look like for them and what, um, health disparities and mental health disparities that may mean for them. I'm also thinking about, um, and I know this is taboo sometimes to talk about, especially from Utah, but I'm thinking about sex workers as well who yes. um, have not been able to, you know, uh, do the kind of work that they're doing or um, uh, exotic dancers. So like different like communities that are having to figure out different ways um, so that they're able to create an income so that they're able to, you know, feed their family and, and, and take care of themselves throughout all of this. So those are just some of the vulnerable populations that popped into mind as we were thinking as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wondered, so one of the things that we didn't initially take advantage of, but then later we did start to use it a lot more was the, the school lunch program. And um, it's because we, the elementary school that our children go to is just, you know, a block away. And so the children were able to walk down there, you know, get a meal and then bring it back. And um, sometimes, you know, they include a little extra food to kind of help the student get through the evening in case, you know, mom or dad aren't able to um, work or maybe, you know, or they're at work. And so they're not able to make some food or, you know, they need some little extra to carry them through to the next day. And I wondered um, if that was a, a program because most of the, the school districts do it. But I wondered if, if people know about that, because I wonder if there's a, we've talked about a little bit about a language barrier. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, you know, do, do people even know that programs exist? You know, like how, how large does that language barrier loom on some of the things that are out there? People just don't know. You know I can, think, you know, you've raised a very great question. And I'm actually, I have been in conversations with Ogden School District and some of their administrators. And actually uh, from my experience, and I have been in other conversations as well with other community leaders uh, about the, the lunch program. And they have been actually effective in reaching out to people uh, because uh, it's been kind of more of a global kind of approach, more holistic approach to make sure that everyone knows about these resources that are available for them. Uh, so I, I know that I've seen some of their notes and some of their messages that are going out in, in English and Spanish and they're actually reaching out to people. Some of the uh, colleagues that we have in our area within Access and Diversity that work within the K-12 uh, school system, they're actually calling, they're emailing, they're going actually sometimes dropping stuff at their own homes in terms of information so they know that these are resources that they need that are available for them or to them and that they could tap into those and not to be afraid or, or scared or like they're gonna be exposed because I mean, they're there for them. So I think, in my experience, um, you know, and then connecting with the Ogden Weaver and Davis school districts, they're trying to do what's right for the community. Yeah, um, well, that's great to hear that you know they're being so proactive right. uh, because I think that that's that's one of the the toughest things to do is to say, okay, we have these things out there. How do we get it into the hands of the folks that can 
that, that can use it, you know? Um, always such a challenge. Um, I, I wanted to ask, sorry, Dan, did you have something? I was just going to say a part of, oh, you Penny. know, some of the, the work that I end up doing is to help push that information a little further because it's not just access to the information, but it's understanding the information and then what do I do with it once I have it? Because we don't always speak and share information in a way that the average community person can understand and interpret and take the correct actions. So I've had to put together, you know, my own email list of known community leaders, families that I know that get the word out and have broad reach, our faith community to make sure that they're aware of what's going on in the resources so they can share it with people that I may not have access to because just having it on the internet is not enough. You know, we already know it's a divide. Where do you go? Which link do I click? Again, now how do I figure out how to do that application and get it to them if the office is closed? You know, again, that yeah. digital divide and being able to process all of that to be able to follow through to take full advantage of those resources that are there. Another large community that I think is also doing that from what I've seen at least on my personal social media that's been impacted really hard on COVID-19 is the Pacific Islander community as well, mm. which we don't have a representative here, but I think that's also a really important conversation that maybe in the future that we can have is to gain that perspective of what's going on in the Pacific Islander community and how we can better support um, that community specifically and the uh, Navajo or Diné nations as well, because they are really hard hit. And yeah. so, again, that would be also another great um, a person to have on a panel in the future to have those conversations on, on their disparities within their communities. It's true. I think, Andrea, you know, you raised a very good point. I was, you know, me, I'm always looking at numbers. And when I was looking at the Black African-American population here in Utah, I mean, I think there's about 217 cases that have been reported. So that's about 3.1% of the total cases in the state. When we talk about Native Americans, we're talking about 3% of the total cases in the state. When we talk about Pacific Islanders, we're looking at about 3.3% of the total cases in the state. So that kind of gives you a little bit of, you know, give me pause to think, you know, it's like, what else are we doing to reach out to these other communities, especially our Navajo, Diné, Native Americans, who have been so disenfranchised, isolated for so long. Uh, you know, I was reading an article the other day where they actually were asking for some, uh, I don't know, they were asking for some appliances and things like that so they could actually take care of their own. And instead what they received were body bags. Wow. So like, what does that tell you about where do we, you know, how do we rank them and how much do we value life or whose life is worth more than somebody else's, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, and it's unfortunate too because you know the person that sent that probably thought they were being helpful right. by saying, "I said no, I mean, you know, we we know that this is happening, right? We're just going to try and help you." And it's like, that's not how you help people. Come Again, on, there's man. A there's a disconnect, right? There's a cultural yeah. disconnect. We don't understand who they are and what their traditions or how they deal with certain things. So how dare we? Do we just interject our own beliefs into what we think is right without asking them? Yeah. Oh man. Well. Um, 
I want to thank you folks for taking the time to have this conversation. Like yes. I said, I think it's, it's an important one and uh, we appreciate you being willing to share some of your experiences. Like I said, I know that you all are deeply involved in the communities, spreading the word and advocating for folks. And so appreciate you all being willing to come on and chat with us on the Junction City podcast. Um, uh, if if uh, the, the listeners, the JC peeps are interested in learning more or trying to help with any of the work that you all are doing, what's the, what's the best way to help? I think for, for us, I mean, we have a, a resource page uh, coming out of the university for access and diversity. So it's weaver.edu slash access and diversity. And then we have the different departments within our area, but then we're also connecting through our, our division, which is student affairs. And again, weaver.edu slash student affairs. And we have a list of resources that are available for all of our students for our community to tap into. Uh, we're linking with different organizations. I know that I've talked to the uh, Salt Lake community, uh, the Mexican consulate in Salt Lake City. There have also been excellent partners in providing information, not just for the Mexican community, but for everyone at large. So we're linking all those kinds of pages to our websites. And, you know, those folks are so good down there. You know, when I worked in development at the university, uh, they had given scholarship money. Like, they're just so great. They're such great community partners. Uh, Miss Betty, I wanted to know, uh, ask if, you know, maybe there were additional resources that you knew of that uh, we might um, let JC Peeps know about. Uh, we send everyone first to 211, which okay. is a great resource in our community that uh, they constantly update this every day in real time to those rental assistance programs, food, health, medical, everything from A to Z. And so we start there and then move you know, to other organizations, but uh, we encourage people to utilize uh, the 211 number as a first line to get connected to resources. We have our agencies like uh, Ogden Community Action uh, Partnership, that does a lot of service, Catholic Community Services. Those folk are there, United Way, but 211 includes their information as well. Yeah, and so for the JC peeps who don't know, um, simply all you have to do is if, if you're looking for help, any of those resources, you just dial 211 on your phone and uh, you'll be able to talk to a person yeah. and they'll help guide you through whatever uh, help you need. Um, finally, Andrea, I, oh, sorry, John, go ahead. Sorry, I, I, I wanna ask my kind of, ignorant question like i've been sitting here just mostly listening the whole time because i feel like in a way this is a lot of stuff that i'm i'm very unaware of and kind of out of touch with and so um i'm i'm curious if there is a way for me to be more in touch with this i mean i'm an empathetic person who wants to help people but i can kind of just be in my bubble here you know doing my thing so uh, do you have any suggestions for me to to, to be more in touch with this and maybe um, be more aware of like what, what I can do to help people in need? <sighs> that's, you know, I think that's a very personal, I think, uh, decision that needs to happen. And since you are, you know, a, a person who cares obviously about his community and, you know, the well-being of the community. I mean, I think it's just starting to get information to be more in touch with really like what is the experience like for others who are who maybe you know having a totally different experience than mine and being open to to provide resources i mean i think you know oftentimes we go to the store and we see people struggling right so that sometimes they may not have enough money to pay for certain things you know i don't want to just say you know that i'm this great person but i have done that here in Ogden uh the last couple of weeks where i have been able to help people that don't have enough money to make ends meet 
and I'm able to kind of provide a little bit of money there. I have, I'm, I've been fortunate to have money to help myself and others, so I can do that. I mean, connecting with people, with other organizations in the community to volunteer, uh, make sure that if you have anything that you're not eating, you know, donate it to a food bank. Make sure that, you know, I mean, those, are, whatever opportunities, if there's opportunities to donate blood, I mean, why not do that as well, plasma? You know, I think there's so many different things that you could do, but I don't know. I mean, Andrea and Betty, you might have other things that you might be able to offer in terms of ideas. How about, uh, John, um, <clears throat> shopping downtown in like some of those yes. shopping in, in Ancho, you know, those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. next stores. Yeah. Meeting the people, seeing the people. And not being engaging. afraid of the people. Yeah, engaging. Yeah. And uh, this, the city yeah. is pushing a gift card program as well to encourage us to shop uh, with our local merchants downtown and all of that. And our organization has also purchased gift cards uh, to the grocery store. So if they come across someone that has a need, they can help them out. Oh, see. Yeah, so um, I guess, John, maybe that's another way is if you, you know, you can help by purchasing, you know, gift cards like like Dr. Romo and Ms. Betty and Andre have said here, it's, you know, sometimes just simply about making ends meet. Um, we definitely, you know, when we lost our jobs, um, we definitely saw that help from, you know, our, our group of friends, you know, they came over, they gave, you know, food, they gave gift cards to the local grocery store. And we really appreciated that, you know, made a, made a big difference for us. And so I know that I it think, probably... you know, for you all, since you have this, this opportunity through this platform to, to actually, you know, uh, promote health programs that are out there, make sure that information is getting out, make sure that not only the information is getting out, but it's credible information that the people and the community can trust. And if, you know, co connect them with people like us who might have access to other resources who they could feel like they could trust because they look like them or because we sound like them. Um, you know, so I think that's something that we definitely need to keep in mind. So like just provide as much information as possible, connect with people, know that this is kind of a, 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 a pandemic that is so huge that is impact us, it has impacted us all. Uh, and you know, that's the one thing that unites us as the one common denominator, right? So this is what makes us who we are. So let's show our humanity to our fellow, you know, humans, right? So whatever it is that we can do, let's do it and not think about it twice. And yeah. going off of that and kind of just answering Colby's question, um, especially for the health one, if people don't have the means or insurance, um, I would highly recommend them to try to seek out um, information from Midtown Clinic, which is one of our local clinics here in Ogden. Um, for more information, maybe in the Spanish language, I would check in with Comunidades Unidas, who is um, over in Salt Lake City. I know that they always have a, um, a plethora of resources for for folks. Um, and then another one is the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs, which they also yes. have a Facebook page. I think all three of these organizations have Facebook pages, but I know Dr. Nudia Peña, who is the I believe the executive director, that might not be her official title, but she's over the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs, is also going to be over that main organization um, or coalition that just started um, maybe like a couple weeks ago that Governor Herbert um, put out uh, uh, that's going to be assisting in getting the word out to communities of color and disenfranchised communities. One last resource I was going to throw out there is um, I was in AmeriCorps Vista from 2015, yeah. 14 to 15, 
and um, CCS is a great opportunity, is a great resource for you. Uh, there's a branch here in Ogden and they have a food bank. But also, if you know somebody who um, speaks a, a language that is not often spoken, like, um, you know, there, there are some folks here in Ogden that speak Arabic. I know we had resettled some Congolese refugees and so they might speak uh, French, they might speak, you know, uh, Swahili, maybe one of their local dialects, um, like Lingala or something. You can connect with CCS and they can get an interpreter to help on the phone with that. That's a service that they can provide. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. So once again, folks, thanks again for yes, chatting with us much. here on, on the Junction City Podcast. We appreciate you taking the time and hopefully uh, this has been helpful to the JC peeps to understand what the impact is on communities of color and their neighbors here in Weber County and also how they can help. So coming up uh, after the break, we're going to be back with Pinkies Up, Thumbs Down, and we're going to do a little bit of events this week. So stay tuned. Hey, JC Peeps, it's Colby, and I want to tell you about our new home, Foley's MMA. Foley's MMA offers classes in boxing, kickboxing, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu for ages 5 to adult. All experience levels are welcome. It's owned and operated by our good friends, Disco Dave and Sana Foley at 31st and Washington Boulevard in downtown Ogden, if you know where it is. It's right next to Kiesel, uh, the Kiesel Services place. So uh, I came to Foley's MMA, uh, gosh, it's been a while ago, and uh, I really wanted to uh, help out in the community. I helped uh, Dave and Sana start a nonprofit that helps kids uh, get in here and uh, get their get uh, learn how to box and those kinds of things and so uh, from there my wife started coming she's been um, almost weekly attendant here at Foley's MMA uh, loves it always loves her gym family and so if you want to be a part of that gym family you should come on down too so if you're interested or just curious check them out at foleysmma.com or follow them on social media to learn about upcoming classes they've got a lot of them uh, it's a solid gym with good folks and a great place to learn train and get in shape so oh the last most important piece Officially approved by John Miles. So check them out. Oh, welcome back, everybody. Thanks again to uh, those folks for coming out and, and speaking uh, about the effects of COVID-19 on, on Weber County. Um, we're going to jump right into this. We had some good stuff on the Facebook page. Aren't you guys glad that I'm back on Facebook? It's so different now. Oh, man, I just... You know, yeah. uh, you know my time off of Facebook... I did some like like, deep meditation and had some really good like clarity moments. Yeah, um, I can tell your comments are just golden now. <laughs> because I don't have any comments. Thanks, thanks, John. Uh, let's talk Up about your game, that. dude. Let's Up the game. No. Yeah, make but, me feel your presence. You fuck. Speaking of presents, uh, show notes. Should show notes come back? That oh, was what, what, what were the results of this? Overwhelmingly, yes. Come really? No. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> like, I don't have to do them. That's a yes. Nobody, no. nobody even knew we had show notes. You know what? Here's the thing: is nobody listens to the show past the all interview. the way to the end. Yeah, yeah. and so we said at the end of every single episode, show notes are on the website. Yeah. And so people are like, we had show notes? One person we voted nah, before. which was Kobe. That was me, yeah. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. And one post, one person voted yes. I've been lost since yeah. January when Kobe mm. stopped updating the show notes. Yeah, who was that person? Somebody very important and very persuasive oh. to <laughs> whether we have show notes or not. <laughs> Luckily, they got back on Facebook to vote. 
that person. That one person. Was that Dan? Whomever the it is. The second poll, this one was done by one of our JC peeps. What's oh, up? This is a good Raw poll. Your cheek. Bum, 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 yep. bum. Uh, this one was really good. Uh, it, it was a long one, though. So I'm just going to kind of summarize it. Too many I, words for Dan. Yeah. <laughs> How do folks feel about registering Republican for the primary uh, to have a say in their primary? Um, seven people voted. It may be a good strategy, but I don't feel right about it. Also, seven people voted. It's a bad strategy for political reasons. Two mm. people voted. Uh, I would do it if I felt strongly about a candidate for or against. I liked the comments. Uh, Kathy Darby had a really good comment on that, um, saying that she, well, first she said she didn't do it. She wouldn't do it. But then she was like, actually, if I felt strongly enough about this person. Um, well, she said she did it once for Caitlin yeah. Gochner. Mm-hmm. Which sort of confirmed kind of like what John had talked about in his comment about how, you know, sometimes a lot of folks who are, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do that. Folks who are pretty fairly engaged in the Democratic Party in the county will still, you know, play, play, the, play the game on both sides. And Which is, he, it's crazy because in, I didn't even think about it until Chris Neville said it, yes, last week, right? And we posted that small, short little video about it, but where he was talking about, well, the, the, the problem when people do that is that now if there is somebody like Jamie Cheek or like Darren Perry, they're running in CD1, they don't have their information. That's, that becomes part of the problem is that they can't, be, they, they can't call all the Democrats that are out there because they're reg- registering as Republicans. I'm like, dang, that's a good point, Chris Neville. Mm-hmm. I see why. Nobody voted for uh, it was a bad strategy because of moral uh, reasons, though. Yeah, morals are dead. <laughs> Among the JC peeps, morals are dead. No, awesome. Yeah, you know, great job. Thanks. Thanks. You know, for me personally, it feels like every time that there's like this opportunity to you know vote in um, one of these primaries, like I just never do it because there's always an interesting race on the other side that I want to vote in. Like in 2016, it was uh, Jonathan Swinton was that his name versus. Um, um, Come on, brain, catch up. She she was the uh, nominee for the Senate. It was um, Snow. Yeah, Misty K. Snow. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was oh. excited to vote in that primary, right? And then in eighteen we had a CD one primary, so I voted in that primary. And then once again in twenty twenty we have a CD one primary, yeah. and so it's like, dude, I I don't have time to vote in Republican you know primaries because I'm voting in Democratic primaries <laughs> for statewide races or congressional races. But if you're a cynic who believes that the Democrats not going to win anyway, <laughs> I'm not that person. That's, that's John Miles right there. Uh, it sure is. All right, so it's not me. Thanks again, every, all the JC peeps. Thank you for uh, getting that poll up. Uh, again, thanks. Well, to, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. All for all the feedback and and, and the conversation there. Uh, moving on, pinkies up, thumbs down. Go, Kobe. It's you. This, had, one, this one's on you because I don't think John and I have anything. No. So I just had two thumbs down. And the first one was to – so uh, there was a there was a, quite a few news articles about um, Kaysville Mayor Katie Witt, who is a candidate for congressional district oh, one yeah. on the Republican side. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, she actually tried to join the Junction City Foreman, Forum, and we, we said no deal. <laughs> oh, maybe you should have said yes. Oh, man. So just so we could just, like, just pile on her. Shit, yeah. 
so she's, you know, just kind of this right wing person. Um, and so she decided that they were going to be having a, they're going to be having a concert in Kaysville. It's going to be the first concert post COVID in the country. And, you know, she believes that it's free speech and, you know, she's supporting the free speech rights, all that good stuff. And it's just like, it, this is dumb. Like, this is just dumb. And I think that honestly, the reason that she's doing it is, you know, there, there is a group that came to her, but also she needs to get in the press because she knows she's getting shellacked in the CD1 race. So she needs a reason to be in front of people. And she chose this, you know, coupled with these losers, um, I forgot what they're called, Utah Business Revival or something, where they're holding these, you know, these public events and getting people to come out, you know, and defy the governor's orders because that's like the cool thing. So it's, it's just thumbs down to that, that garbage behavior. It's not leadership. And if you're, if you are a Republican for some reason, listening to the show and considering, you know, voting for somebody in that race, um, don't vote for her because yeah. this shows the, the kind of, yeah, this is the kind of leadership that she's going to exhibit. You know, you want that in Washington. I don't. And then uh, the second one is I, I was driving around delivering pizza on Thursday night and I saw all these guys, you know, I just, I see these guys a lot driving, you know, West out into Hooper and other places. And I was driving around with their trucks and they've got these, you know, big American flags and they're usually super tattered because they don't actually care, you know, about taking care of the flag. And they just drive around and, you know, they think that they're being patriots. And I thought about it. I was like, that's not patriotism, man. Like just cause you slapped up a flag in the back of your truck and you're driving around, like that's, that's not patriotic. What's patriotic is getting involved in your community. Do you want, do you, can you name a single, you know, constitutional amendment after the, the second? No, you probably can't. Or who's so, your city council? Who's on your city yeah. council, bro? Yeah. Like you, you know, it's not, it's not patriotism just cause you slap a flag on it and be like, yep, I'm a patriot. Like, no patriotism comes like, like being a citizen comes with responsibilities and like, just cause you're flying a flag doesn't make you, you know, some sort of like good citizen. Like that's it, it, just, it's the laziest form of any sort of patriotism. And so I said, it's jingoism. Like this is just jingoism. Like the only reason you care about this country is because you live in it. If you lived somewhere else, you'd be doing the exact same thing. You don't know very much about your country at all. You don't know anything about the constitution, which you say is what makes this country great. You know, you, you, you don't know any of this stuff. Like you said, Dan, you don't know who your, you know, congressional representatives or your state legislative representatives, or even your folks on city council. You don't know any of that stuff. You're not an engaged citizen. You're just driving around with a flag and you think that that makes you a patriot. Oh, and you have guns. Like, that's it. Like thumbs down to that kind of behavior, man. Like being a citizen takes work. There's responsibility. I had a, I, I commented on uh, another person's post this week and, you know, they were talking about, you know, they were talking about politics. And I said, the reason that a lot of people don't like getting into politics is because it takes homework and people hate homework. Oh yeah. That's so true, man. Yeah. yeah. So thumbs down to that behavior, man. It's like, you're not a patriot. You're a jingoist. Do the work to be a real citizen because it takes work. Jingoist, not to be confused with Jangoist. Django. Like someone that Unchained. loves Django Unchained. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, John. That was the only thing we got out of that whole thing. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Kobe. <laughs> what do you guys got? Come on. Tell me you got something. I do. Oh. Uh, I have oh. I have one. I have a thumbs down to quarantine becoming a partisan issue. I just don't even understand how that's happening, but it's ridiculous. For real. I see people saying, you know... Uh, Democrats are just authoritarians at heart, and we oh, were crazy yeah. for wanting to quarantine people. I'm just, I just don't even have the energy to, 
to try to argue with people. Uh, so that's one. And then I do have a thumbs up to Senator Mitt Romney. I really like oh, that yes. guy being my senator. I'm digging and, him uh, too. I'm not. Yeah, I'm digging him too, man. It's is is this yeah. the Inspector General thing? Is this what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. that. It's. Uh, I can't remember what we talked about when we were hiking the, a week or two ago, but. He keeps doing things that make me feel like I have a Democratic senator. I haven't been this pleased with an elected official in, in Utah. Uh, you know, several years. Yeah. I, uh, my entire life, I should say, really. Uh, so yeah. I love it. Yeah. So so Pinky is up. So for the JC peeps who don't know, pretty much what, you know, the Trump administration fired a bunch of inspectors general over several agencies in the government. So these are the people that are tasked with making sure that um, – People are following the rules within the department that, you know, right. ethics violations are being dealt with. Trump just fired a bunch of them, including the one in the State Department who had opened up an investigation into Mike Pompeo because somebody had come forward and said, hey, this guy's uh, breaking some serious rules here. Trump so it's like him. if you're a, a Republican and you think that government is full of waste, the inspector general of each government department is the person who's there to audit that department yep. and determine where waste, fraud, and abuse are happening. Yep. And and so the inspector general is your best friend if you're some small government person. Yeah. yeah. How can you support these actions, you fucking you freaking idiots? Crazy. Yeah. 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 So Mitt Romney came out and said, yeah, this is uh, alarming, and uh, we need to do something he about it. He said it was a threat to democracy, I think. Well, yeah. yeah, and he's absolutely right. Right. I, I, re- but, I retweeted that, too. But Colby, I thought that you might because the point you made when we were hiking was a good one. Um, we talked about this a little bit, and what you said was basically, you know, if he was a Democrat, this would just be par for the course, and you wouldn't really love him so much, you know. You I would love expect be, it. Yeah, right. And so it would be like somebody like uh, Ben McAdams, who like the the places where he's even slightly moderate. Um, people just hate him for it he's just like suddenly not a real liberal because you know yeah he sometimes compromises with the conservatives yeah like the heroes act ben mcadams didn't vote for the heroes act in the house right i understand you know i get right. it oh yeah I did so yeah that. that's that good one john that was a good one i almost Thank like you. just glossed over that one for you too um let's move on to events speaking of heroes huh Friday, Good segue. Good June fifth, the heroes of Weber County Debs Dems uh, are going to host their virtual Orton and McKay fundraising dinner uh, for, like I said, Weber County Democrats. It's going to be go. It's going to be hosted uh, from six p.m. to eight p.m. All the details are on their Facebook page. So, so after you like us and subscribe or uh, and join our forum. Go and give them a like and join their forums as well. Uh, again, that's Friday, June 5th, virtual Orton and McKay fundraising dinner for the Weber County Dems. Yeah, so right. like like Zach Thomas said on our show um, uh, like about a month or so ago, the speaker is still Jim Matheson, former congressman nice. um, Jim Matheson. And so they'll be working that out. Um, so you can still buy tickets to help support the party um, and then get into that live stream. Um, and so they'll still be trying to do the – event thing but it's virtual now you know obviously they're not going to serve you a meal but um you can participate in some of the speakers and see the awards how cool would all that the be stuff if they got a meal sent to you though 
right? That w- would be very cool. Like DoorDash or something? Not DoorDash. No, uh, not DoorDash, sorry. Those those people are stamping on workers' rights left oh, and right. Oh, yeah, no, they're terrible people. They are. Uh, and then Saturday, so the very next day, uh, Saturday, June 6th, Weber Dems Food Drive, parking at. Uh, this is going to be held at the parking lot of the D-Event Center. This is going to be going on from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, I'm sure social distancing will apply, and... They'll probably have just it'll be I I I think that it's like going to be like a trunk or treat style thing, right? I don't know about that. I, I just saw that you know they oh. were gonna have a food drive. You show up, drop some food off. You know, sort of like what we talked about in the previous segment, where the food banks are being hit especially hard right now, yeah. and so they could really use your help. So the Weber Dems are trying to do their part to help alleviate that. Good stuff going on. So that, remember, that's uh, Saturday, June sixth, nine a.m. to one p.m. One other thing we forgot to mention about June 5th is that it is National Donut Day. Oh. Yeah, see, so. um, see, that's what Zach needs to do is he needs to go out and send people, everybody that attends gets a donut. I love donuts. Me too. Um, but that reminds me of another event on Memorial Day. Uh, this is for uh, Grant Protzman's campaign for House District 7, so mm-hmm. up in North Ogden. Uh, he is running this... Uh, drive to gather its socks i think it's sanitary supplies i think underwear um all of that kind of stuff they're trying to gather for the homeless so you can take anything you've got to donate um on memorial day take it to kurt's drive-in in north ogden on uh washington boulevard i think around like 2300 washington 2300 north washington boulevard um you can drop off your stuff there uh, to support local people in need. Uh, uh, from what I understand, from what Grant was telling me, there's just this huge need right now for those kind of um, personal clothing items mm. that people don't realize. So so he's uh, getting them together for people. Nice. And that's that's Memorial Day. That's next week? Mm-hmm. Memorial Day. <clears throat> Kurt's driving. Drop them off, I think, from 9 to 5. Cool. Great. All right. Um, so you can find us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Like the page, follow the page, and then join our forum. Uh, that's where you can uh, you can get involved in the polls. You can ask JC Peeps questions. Uh, you can comment. Good yeah, like stuff. these conversations that happen on the polls, like yeah. that. That's all happening in the Junction City Forum. So join that Facebook group, and you can get in on the conversation. It's like a virtual yeah, that DJ. music's always yeah. playing. It's always playing. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Junction City Podcast. Uh, you can go to our YouTube site. Our YouTube will have uh, the videos posted as well. Uh, Patreon. We're going to do a quiz show coming up. Yeah. Oh, yes. John's going to be the quiz master. Yeah. He'll get his wit and his genius. But mostly I got so much. just drunk John is what you'll get. Yeah, just me being distracted. <laughs> Uh, no show notes. We're done with show notes. <laughs> no show notes. Despite your votes. Yeah. Uh, you can rate us, though. See, you can rate us. You can get on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, where else can you listen to podcasts? Anyway, you can rate us. On our website. Us- Just like on the radio. Yeah. Tune your dials. Ooh, to 1070. No, that's not. 
That's not true. Just yeah, kidding. Don't go there. I think that's like some Catholic radio, so you might not necessarily want to go there. Uh, the But if you rate us, if you give us a five-star rating, we, Kobe, will deliver you a sticker. He will drive to your house and give you a kiss and a sticker. No kiss. Sticker, though. No kiss. <laughs> what? What if he Maddie, promised to kiss you guys. What if Maddie guys? rates us five stars? Uh, she gets a kiss. That's what the if I rate us five yeah, stars? <laughs> I, I'll... Stop by and give you a sticker. What lame? Well, you get bro. If John gives us five stars, Shane will come to his house and shit in his garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, dude. that's right. Yeah, and like we say every week. Yeah, all politics is local. <laughs>